At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Built for More, Church Beyond the Weekend, where we will see what the Psalms teaches us about how life is enriched when we live and serve in community with our church family. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good morning and welcome to Family Worship Sunday, right? Every Sunday we've been back has been Family Worship Sunday. Amen. We're grateful for that. Uh, but every fifth Sunday moving forward will be a Family Worship Sunday. So you will see kids and students and families involved throughout the service and engaged uh, in preaching and teaching. And my hope and my prayer is that on the next Family Worship Sunday or whichever one God would select, that I can sit down and a kid or a student would preach. And that Denzel will sit down and a kid or a student will lead us in worship because that is the next generation kind of leader we're looking for at this church and from our God. So today we're wrapping up our series Built for More. So for three weeks now we've been in this series called Built for More which comes on the heels of the series Assembly Required. And in Assembly Required we talked about how uh, it's, it's reasons, making a case for why we're supposed to come together in church. Making a case for why we're supposed to be together on Sunday mornings. That yes, for a season, digital worship was the only thing we had, so it was the best thing we had. And for anybody who's on Facebook right now, I praise God for you. I'm so grateful that you're worshiping with us right now. But there is a requirement to come together as the body of Christ in worship. Amen? We've seen that we're to come up under the authority of Scripture, that we're to come with ever-present praise, that we're to come and share our testimony that strengthens the church. We're to come and, and receive the, clean, the cleansing and joy that comes from confession. We come to ponder together the favor of God. We come to share of all that God has done in our life, so we have to be together on a Sunday morning. And it's more than just a Sunday morning because you are built for more, church. It's more than just 90 minutes on a Sunday. It's more than just some yeses, amens, and hallelujahs on a Sunday. This is about our entire life. Amen? Amen? All right. So we've been studying the Psalms for seven straight weeks now. We're going to be in Psalm 67 today. So if you have your Bibles, open them up to Psalm chapter 67. If you didn't bring a Bible to church, it's a great place to bring a Bible to. Uh, and the words will be on the screen right behind me. So Psalm chapter 67. You know, we've been talking about how we live as spiritual family on mission. That that is probably one of the highest calls that we could ever receive. That we have been brought into family by God through Jesus. And we haven't just been brought into family to hang out together. We've been brought into family to be on mission together. God has put us on mission. And today what we're going to talk about is how God wants to do something through your life. Not just to your life. Not just for your life. But God wants to do something through your life. He wants to use you for his massive global work. Now, that's an incredible call on our lives that God wants to do something with me for a global work. Now, that sounds maybe a little bit crazy, but church, we are built for more. Now, on this Family Worship Sunday, I want to bring up a special guest who's going to read God's word to us. So, Elijah Quinones, come on up, brother. He's going to lead us in the reading of the word of God. You got it, yeah. Yeah, he had security the first service too. Come on, security. Come on up here with him. We got his whole family coming up. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful. Come on, keep putting your hands together. Yeah. Now, I said it on, in first service. I want to say it in second service too. Uh, on Sports Center last night, I saw that you had nine strikeouts in your game yesterday, right? Is that true? Nine strikeouts. That's an arm, yeah. What's up? Good to see you. And as a one washed up collegiate pitcher to a future collegiate pitcher, keep that stuff up. That's good stuff. So Elisha's going to lead us in the reading of God's word. So open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 67, please. 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. Mm -hmm. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. Let the peoples praise him. Let the peoples praise him. Great job again. I'm going to take my job from you, man. If you wouldn't mind just stretching your hand out towards Elijah and his family, we're going to pray for Elijah specifically right now. God in heaven, I love you and I thank you. Thank you for this young brother. Thank you that you have your good hand upon him. Thank you for his parents and his sister and the heritage of faith you have given this family. But I pray specifically right now for Elijah, God, that you would raise him up to be a leader, that he would be a leader right now amongst other 10-year-olds that are around him, God, that you would use him with the word that just came out of his mouth that, was, that proceeded from your mouth to be a leader. May he shoot straight. Lord. May he not look to the right or to the left. May he not falter in his step, but he would continue to chase you all the days of his life. God, I thank you. I praise you. We ask in your name, Jesus. Together we say amen and amen. Let's put our hands together. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Great job. Great job, man. Great job. Thank you. Awesome. Psalm 67 is a beautiful psalm where we catch a, a glimpse of the local and global call that God has on all of our lives. If you have put your faith, hope, and trust in Jesus, then God has a local and global call on your life, and it's a desire that he has a blessing for his people. Now, I don't know if you've ever wondered why God blesses his people. Most of us just tend to focus on the blessing, right? We say, God, you blessed us. Thank you. Amen. You love us. We love you. Thanks for the blessing. But today I want to focus on the why behind the blessing or the purpose behind the blessing. If we don't understand the purpose of the blessing, then we don't actually really understand the blessing. Often we just focus on the blessing in and of itself. Today we're going to focus on the purpose as we dive a little bit deeper into Psalm chapter 67 and we see that God has a massive purpose for blessing each and every one of his people. It's a massive global purpose, actually, so that God has blessed us for the good of the nations. That's the, our big idea for the day. That's the heart of Psalm 67, that God blesses his people for the good of the nations. Now, while this idea certainly isn't just relegated to Psalm 67 alone, right, we find this idea throughout sacred scripture, that God has blessed people since the beginning of time for the good of the nations because God has a plan. Amen? And God's purposes are always better than our purposes. So this psalmist's intention here is not only to draw attention to the God of blessing, but to draw the people into doing something about it. That we would praise God because we, his people, have been blessed, but we would also understand that the blessing is for a larger purpose of blessing the entire world. Now... We've gone through now seven weeks of the Psalms, and we've seen that the Psalms have lots of literary context in them, right? That they're not just words on a page, but they're poems. They're songs with deeper meanings. There's things that we need to investigate. We've also had vocab words, right, with every Psalm that we've looked at. We've learned what a superscription was. We learned what a subscription is. Today, our vocab word is chiasm. So on the count of three, let's all say it together. Chiasm. One, two, three. Chiasm. Good. That's great. You guys are passing. This is good. So it comes from the Greek letter chi, which is an X. 
So this psalm is a chiasm. So it has a chiastic literary structure. I'll stop talking about it pretty soon, but you know I like to nerd out about words. Words are very, very important to us. So what we see is that the psalm flows in to the heart of the psalm and then flows out from the heart of the psalm in a parallel fashion. So verses 1, 2, and 3 flow into the heart of the psalm or the middle of the X, which is verse 4, and then 5, 6, and 7 flow out of the heart of the psalm in a parallel fashion to verses 1, 2, and 3. So even as we hear that God blesses the nations for the good, or excuse me, blesses his people for the good of the nations, the first question that you may ask is, how? How, how could God bless little old me for the good of all of the nations. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, right? I'm having trouble in my own house. How is God blessing me for the good of the nations? That's a good question to ask because the structure of the psalm actually addresses this in three ways as well. It doesn't just reinforce the big idea. It gives us three points, three reasons how and why God blesses his people for the good of the nations. So is everybody together in Psalm 67? If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. And slow our hearts down a little bit as we get into our three points. Thank you, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your sacred scripture. Thank you that your word will never pass away. That many people will forget about my words. That my words will be deleted from Facebook at some point. But your word, oh Lord, will never perish. So I pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds to hear from your sacred scriptures today for what we are supposed to do as your people who have been blessed for the good of the nations. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask these things all in the name of your son, our savior, the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we got three points today. Somebody say three points. The first one is pray for God's blessings for the nation that we pray for God's blessings of the nation. So we see this on the outside edges of the chiasm, verses one and two, and then verses six and seven. So verses one, and one, two, and three flow into the middle. Verses four, five, and six, excuse me, five, six, and seven flow out of the middle, and they're parallel. So the first thing we see in the beginning of this psalm is that it begins with a tone of prayer, right? Verse one says, may God be gracious to us. May God shine his face upon us. So the psalmist is saying, would you please, Lord, May you, Lord, be gracious to us. May your face shine upon us. May we experience your salvation. May we experience your way in the earth. May we experience these spiritual blessings. And the psalmist is actually invoking an ancient blessing from the book of Numbers. So the sixth chapter of the book of Numbers, we won't get into today, but if you want to write it down in your notes, number six is a great passage to study that contains the Nazarite vow and the Aaronic blessing where the psalmist gets these words. So it's not just a blessing that the psalmist came up with. This is actually a historical blessing blessing that God spoke through Moses to Aaron for as Aaron was a priest and all of Aaron's sons would be a priestly line that would offer spiritual blessings to Israel. So God takes this blessing and gives it to Moses proclaims it over Aaron, the psalmist then turns the you from the blessing in number six into us in Psalm 67, saying that this blessing that was reserved and lauded over Aaron is now a blessing that we can grab for our own lives and we can preach and teach and receive all of us, all of God's people. So he's inviting us to personalize it for ourselves, but also then to make it corporate for the entirety of God's body. So it's a reminder that God is 
gracious, right? God doesn't bless us because we earn it. God blesses us because his nature is gracious. God doesn't bless us. You don't have blessings because you're the smartest person in the room. God blesses you because he loves you. Now, we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, all these good things, right? But God blesses us ultimately because he loves us and he is gracious. So when the psalmist says, as Moses said in Numbers, God, make your face shine upon us, that is insinuating God's presence, God's protection, and God's provision. Those are the things that we are hoping to see from God. An Old Testament scholar put it this way, that the blessing of God for our life not only makes it possible, but also makes it enjoyable. That God has blessed us. Amen. Thank you, Judah. God has blessed us with an enjoyable life. Now, the psalmist here, he starts by praying with a spiritual blessing of the Lord, and then verses 6 and 7 comes out of the middle, out of the chiastic structure, and then celebrates the physical blessing of the Lord. So what we see happening is a natural progression, that there's a progression of praying for God's blessing, and then we see God's blessing, and then it comes out and we praise him for his deliverance. We praise him for his physical blessing that he has had on us. Now we notice that it is his blessing of presence, provision and protection. So the outer stanzas of the psalm, we see that they move in this logical order and they're connecting the blessing to purpose. That blessing connected to purpose is always more powerful than if they are disconnected in your life. And God has had this purpose all along. The purpose of blessing his people for the good of the nations is not a new idea. The psalmist didn't just come up with it and write it. That we see it came out in number six, but even before that, it came out in Genesis 12, right? That there is this idea of God blessing someone for the good of the nation in the way he talks to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you, that I'm going to bless you, and everyone who blesses you will be blessed, and everyone who dishonors you will be cursed, and every single thing family on earth will be blessed because of you. Talk about being blessed for the good of the nations. Abraham's, the, the blessing on his life in Genesis 12 was God saying, I'm going to bless you and every family ever is going to benefit because of it. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. This is exactly what the psalmist then prays for and that God would bless his people for the sake of the nations. That we are blessed for the sake of the nations. We're not just blessed for the sake of our own lives. We're not just blessed so that we can be selfish in our own family. We're not just blessed at our church so that we can uh, accumulate blessings and keep them at our church. Stuff comes in, stuff goes out. Because God blesses his people for the good of the nations. Now if you're a parent, you understand this very well. Or perhaps if you've ever asked for money, you understand this very well. How many people are parents in here whose children have asked them for money? Your both hands should probably go up at that point, right? How many of you have asked for money in here? The children sheepishly raised their hands. They're like, ugh, I did. Right, so we understand this very well because the blessing is more powerful when it's attached to purpose, right? So uh, let's use my children for example. If Ezra comes up to me, yes, you. If Ezra, if you come up to me and you say, Dad, I would like $100 to get Judah an awesome Christmas present. I'm like, are you going to pay the light bill so that he can, keep, he can continue to watch TV? $100 is a lot of money, right? So, uh, it, but, but if he says the blessing of $100 is going to yield the purpose of a great Christmas present for my little brother. I'm like, okay, I can get behind that. That's heartfelt. That's good. Here's the money. Here's the blessing. Christmas morning comes around. Judah's ripping open the present from his brother, and it's a bouncy ball, a temporary tattoo, and one of those sticky hand things that you get out of a machine at a restaurant, right? And I'm like, Ezra, 
I'm going to need that 9850 back. Like, what, what's going on? Why, what, how did this happen? I blessed you, and it didn't serve its intended purpose. Now, if we take it and look at it in the inverse, and Christmas morning comes around, you're just ripping over the present. Yes, ripping over your presents on Christmas morning, and it's just an amazing new bicycle, right? And I was like, Ezra, that's awesome. Thank you for loving your brother like this. You know, how much did that cost? He was like, it cost $99. I kept the $1 change. I hope that's okay, Dad. You know, when the blessing is attached to the purpose, there's much more power. Now, as the blesser, if my purpose is not fulfilled by giving the blessing, I'm going to say, what happened? Why should I continue to bless you with good things if you're not going to allow the purpose to be fulfilled? God blesses his people for the good of the nations, right? Now, God will give us blessings, but if we hold on to them, he's going to say, you're not doing it for the intended purpose. I'm blessing you, but the intended purpose is not coming true. So when the blessing is connected with purpose, it makes all the difference. Well, let me repeat our big idea again. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. If you have been blessed, it's not just for yourself. It is for someone else. It is a blessing to be a blessing. As God told Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12, as God then used Moses to tell Aaron, as the psalmist is telling us today, and it is true still today. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. The question we have to ask ourselves is this. When I pray for blessing from God, who am I asking for? Am I asking that God would bless me selfishly? Am I asking that God would give me more money so I don't need anybody else? Am I asking that God would give me more favor so people would feel better about me? Or am I asking that God would bless me for the good of his ultimate purpose of every knee bowing and every tongue confessing for the glory of God our Father? The blessing is always attached for the purpose. So even as we pray for the blessing, there's more. Right? There's a second way that we can engage in God's call to bless the nations, and it's that we call for God's praise amongst the nations. Right, That we pray for blessing, the blessing comes, it continues in the psalm structure, that then we call for the nations to praise the God of the blessing. So we look at verses 3 and 5. It comes in, verse 3, comes out, verse 5, from the heart of the chiasm in verse 4, and it's the exact same verse. Anytime you see identical, script, identical sentences in scripture, you need to pay attention. If something is repeated in scripture, you need to pay attention. You need to understand why it is saying it. It says, let the peoples, oh, praise you. Let the peoples praise you, oh God, then what? Let all the peoples praise you. So the psalmist is saying, this is a global call. This is for everybody on earth to praise God. That this is exactly why we pray for blessing, so that then we can praise the God of blessing, so that we can make our way to verse number four, the heart of the psalm. So the emphasis here of the psalmist in verses three and five is focused on everybody praising the Lord, all peoples praising the Lord. And the call comes again in response to the blessing. That, you know, we have a, a simple definition of worship here at this church. Worship is a response, right? You worship God because you respond to who he is and how he's been good to you right? Worship is our natural response to God's goodness and God's character. And in many ways, the heart of worship is the heart of the scripture, right? We see this throughout scriptures, that praise, again, is a response to God's action. You know, we know that praise and worship is spelled out in scripture a number of times. We've talked about this before from this pulpit, that in, primarily in the Psalms, but throughout scripture, the, the word for praise 
is used in Hebrew seven different times. So seven different Hebrew words for praise. The one used here is a Hebrew word called yada. And yada means a public confession, an outward confession of the goodness, authority, or power of somebody else. So what we are to do when it says praise God, all you people, all peoples praise God. It's a public confession that our worship should be flowing out of our mouth. Even when we turn on CNN and things look crazy, we should be praising God. Even when we turn on Fox News and things look crazy, we should, turn, we should be praising God. Even when tragedies are happening in our neighborhood, a watching, waiting, dying world is looking for a people who will worship God in the midst of tragedy. They're looking for people that will say, I know my God has a plan. I know my God has a purpose. I know that God blesses his people for the good of the nations. And the reality is, a day is coming when everybody is going to praise God. Your neighbors are going to praise God. The politicians are going to praise God. There's a day coming when everyone will praise God. There's a day coming that Paul wrote about in Philippians chapter 2, that the name above every name, the name of Jesus, every knee will bow to that name, every tongue will confess him as king, and it's all for the glory of our Father. So that day is coming, and we can celebrate, and we can get excited. But is that day today, right now? Is everybody around you praising God right now? When you turn on TV, is everybody praising God? When you open Facebook, is everybody bowing down to Christ as King right now? No. And that's the difficulty. I know you think the right answer should be yes in church. It's okay. We can be real. No. It's not here right now. That yes, Jesus Christ has initiated the kingdom of heaven, but he has not consummated the kingdom of heaven. That the day has not yet come where every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess and everything's going to be great as Jesus restores and redeems and creates a new heaven and a new earth. We're stuck in the middle. But worship is our weapon. Worship is what the world needs to see. Worship or confessing of God's goodness even in the midst of trial is what the world needs to see. And if you can worship God, you can get through just about anything. If something won't steal your worship out of your heart, you can get through just about anything. But worship is also the reason, yeah, praise God. Worship is also the reason that we do everything. Now, we had our food pantry on Friday, and we've probably given out, I don't know, you probably know the exact figure, Ellie, but hundreds of thousands of pounds of food have gone out of this church on Fridays. And I praise God, and I'm grateful for that. But do I really care at, 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 in the depth of my heart about hunger? I care about hunger, but I care much more about worship. We're probably going to give away 10,000 backpacks over the last six years in this church. And I love it that kids get school, school supplies. But do I ultimately care about school supplies? No. I care about worship. I care about people that will open their binder in third grade and say, God has blessed me. I care about people that will cook a turkey at Thanksgiving that they got at this church and they will say, God is good to me. God loves me. The rest of the things might be going crazy around me, but God has blessed me because God blesses his people for the good of the nations. God blesses Woodside for the good of the nations. God blesses your life for the good of your family, for the good of your street, for the good of your neighborhood for the good of your community, for the good of this city, for the good of our county, state, and keep going. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. And if we as God's people are receiving blessings and keeping them for ourselves, he's going to say, let me get that 9850 back, right? He's going to say, what happened? What happened? 
God's not going to take away his salvation. I don't believe the Bible teaches that doctrine. I believe once you are saved by God, you are always saved by God. Because if God did it for us, we can't ruin it, right? So that, that's how I believe that doctrine comes out. But God will, I believe, continue to bless you if the purpose of that blessing is for the heart of the nations. But I believe that he will restrict some of those blessings if the purpose of those blessings is for your own comfort and your own preference. So as we recognize this, that we have a role, we have a calling, we are supposed to call nations to worship God because he's good. And it should show us a couple things. First, how is your worship? How is your own personal worship? When you stub your toe, do you scream and curse at God? Or do you say, thank you for that couch, right? Or when someone cuts you off on, on the road, do you tell them that they're number one? Or do you say, thank you, God, that I have a car? Thank you, God, that you've given me the means to go places. When our hearts can be filled with worship, then a world that is watching will see God blessing his people for the good of the nations. Now, I need to talk a little bit about mission here. Mission is vitally important. Now, we're a spiritual family on mission, and I'm going to keep screaming that from this pulpit. But missionaries are important. Spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth are important. Planting churches are important. But missions for the sake of missions only celebrates man. Mission for the sake of worship celebrates God. Everything we do is for worship. Everything we do today at our parking lot at 2 p.m., we're going to have a love on the lake. Uh, Kermit, Kermit Williams is putting on an event. Uncle Jerry's going to be here cooking. We're going to have it in our parking lot because three people got murdered in Spring Lake on Wednesday night. Now, I'm not celebrating anything, but everything we do is for worship. I want people who are steeped in tragedy to be able to look at a church that loves them and say, I can still worship Jesus. I can still worship God. That this church is still here for us. That the community still belongs to Jesus ultimately. But we gotta get into the logical progression. The logical progression is this, that we can't worship Jesus if you don't worship Jesus. If you are left out, there becomes no we. That our life groups can't worship Jesus if our church doesn't worship Jesus. If our pulpit doesn't worship Jesus, our life groups can't do it. How is Karen Circle and Spring Lake going to worship Jesus if they have a church next door to them that holds back their worship of Jesus? How, how is Harrington Hills, where three children were shot last night, going to worship Jesus if they don't see a neighborhood like Spring Lake and Karen Circle being able to worship Jesus? Now, God can do anything with anyone at any time. He said, if you don't praise me, those rocks are going to. He can do whatever he wants. But why not be a part of it? Why not have your praise be a part of God's blessing in your life for the good of the nations? Why not allow your household to be a beacon of light in a world that is getting increasingly darker? Why not allow your neighborhood group, your life group, to be the place where your neighbors look and they're like, why do all those people keep coming out of that house looking like they're having fun every Friday night? They don't look like each other. There's different ages. There's a bunch of kids. You can't have that much fun with that many kids. Like, what is going on in that house? And we can come out and we can say, we love Jesus. That's all it is. We love Jesus. So God can do anything he wants with anybody he chooses at any time he chooses. But as for me and my household, we won't hold back our worship. We won't hold back our praise of Jesus. No matter what's going on, no matter what we go through, we won't hold back our praise of Jesus. 
the prayer team can, can confess to this, right? That I've reached out every week for the last three weeks saying, I'm discouraged and my heart is breaking. I need you to pray. But I'm still worshiping Jesus. I'm still up here saying, Jesus is the one who I'm going to worship because I know that he is doing something. I know that the blessing is tied to a purpose. And I know that that purpose is good for me, good for my family, good for my life group, good for our street, good for our neighborhood, good for our city, good for our county, good for our community, good for our region, and ultimately good for the nations. All of the nations all over the world should be blessed by the way God blesses you. This is something that we have to get into our hearts today, church. We have to understand the purpose behind the blessing, that if we just think God blesses us because he loves us, while that's true, that's not it. That's not all. There's a purpose to his blessing for you. So if you've been through trial in your life and he has blessed you to allow you to get through that trial, you gotta tell somebody about it. You gotta let somebody know it's gonna be okay. We got, yeah. We gotta go on a prayer walk today at two o'clock when this event starts. You can stay here, you can come back. And for the families that had three people murdered in their life, you need to walk up to them. If you've had loss of life in your family, if you've had trial in your family, you need to say it's the hardest thing that you could ever imagine right now, but I promise you, God is good and he's gonna bring you through it. That our community needs this. People in here need this. People up under the sound of my voice right now need to know it's gonna be okay. And they need it from you. God blesses his people for the good of the nations. But how are we going to bless the nations when you can't even bless your own relationships? How are we going to bless the nations when, when you're not even using the blessings God put on your life for your own neighborhood? we got to get to the nations through the logical progression, knowing God can do it with whoever he wants, whenever he wants. I just got to say, why not me? Why not us? Why not this church? Why not our family? All right, so finally, the psalmist here, he comes to the climax. He gets to the middle of this chiasm. He gets to verse 4, and we see point 3 come out of verse 4. Point 3 is that we celebrate God's rule over the nations. Verse 4 says this, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. The cry of the psalmist here, at the heart of the psalm, at the middle, the most important part of this psalm is that the nations would be glad because of God's blessings and they would sing for joy. Now, I don't know about you, but it doesn't look like the whole world is singing for joy right now. It doesn't look like the world is singing for joy when police officers are killing people and people are killing police officers. It doesn't look like the world is singing for joy when you have two political parties building a campaign on tearing the other one down. It doesn't look like the world is singing for joy when we have three murders on Wednesday night and three children, 11, 8, and 7 months, shot last night. It doesn't look like the world is singing for joy. And why doesn't it look like the world is singing for joy? The answer is found right here in verse 4. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Why? For you judge the peoples with equity. This word judge is very important. We think of judge and we think of somebody who sits at the 50th district. We think of judge and we think somebody has wrongly judged me. This word, which we find probably better suited in Psalm 58, verse 11, talks about God's judgment or justice, but ultimately God's government. And when we think about God's government, we need to think about one thing, God's kingdom. 
that God's kingdom has already begun because Jesus initiated it. God's purpose has always been, I'm going to redeem, renew, and restore all of humanity, and it's all going to be made right one day. Now, we haven't seen the end of that kingdom yet, but we have seen the beginning of that kingdom yet. Jesus talks about it in Mark chapter 1. He says this, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. For Jesus, part of the good news about his ministry, about his life, about his death, about his resurrection, was that it was the beginning of God's promise to establish his kingdom and redeem the fallen creation. So we pray for God's blessing. We call the nations to praise the God of the blessing. But ultimately, we celebrate God's rule. We celebrate God's kingdom. Now, God's kingdom exists anywhere he rules and reigns. Now, it doesn't look like God is ruling and reigning in Pontiac today. It doesn't look like God is ruling and reigning uh, in Oakland County today. It doesn't look like that as I look out. I'm like, that, this is not a Christian society. This is not a bunch of people that follow Jesus. But that does not mean that the kingdom of God has not been initiated. That does not mean that Jesus has already started this not yet completed work. The kingdom of God is anywhere that God is ruling and reigning. Is the kingdom of God happening in anyone's heart in here? Is God ruling and reigning in your life? If he is, the kingdom of God is happening. If he's ruling and reigning in your life and then in your household and then in your life group, the kingdom of God is at your house. The kingdom of God is happening. So we are called to celebrate God's rule over the nation because the goodness of the kingdom of God. This is why we pray. This is why Jesus tells us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're praying for God's kingdom to come so we can celebrate. The psalmist moves into celebration of God's kingdom and and then moves out of celebration because of God's kingdom. So the kingdom of God is what we are looking for. The rule, the justice, the judgment, it's all found in the kingdom of heaven. But why is the kingdom of God good news? I think this is the hard thing for us. We know that the kingdom of God was good news for Jesus, good news for the psalmist, but, but why should we celebrate God's rule? Because you're ruled by somebody. Every single one of us in this room are ruled by somebody. For some of us, it's God. For others, it's yourself. You are sinful. God is not. Sin is a wicked ruler. And when we look at uh, almost, you know, the majority of the world that is ruled by themselves, that is ruled by sin, sin is a wicked ruler. So what has the kingdom of sin earned us? The kingdom of sin has earned us murder. The kingdom of sin has earned us hate and jealousy and people that can't come together. The kingdom of sin has earned us a whole host of things that are killing us. The kingdom of sin has ultimately earned us a big old mess. You can give an amen if you think the world looks like a mess right now. But in the midst of the mess, there's a cause for celebration. In the midst of the mess, there's a call for us to call people to celebrate. Why? Because God is ruling. Nothing will ever push the Lord off of his throne. Yes, he is ruling right now, but his, he has initiated the kingdom of heaven, but he has not yet consummated the kingdom of heaven. It has not come to the day where every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that the name above every name to the glory of God, that Jesus is king. That day has not come yet, but there's cause for celebration because God is ruling. The kingdom of God is alive and well in a number of your hearts up under the sound of my voice right now. And in a 
number of your family members and in a number of communities that you can think of. So the kingdom of God is present and it is living and active and things are happening, but the kingdom of sin just seems to be a little bit more pervasive right now. So there's cause for us to celebrate. There's cause for us to uh, call people into celebration because the kingdom of God is here, but the kingdom of God will ultimately come to consummation. But it feels like we're waiting too long. It feels like it's just too much. It feels like I I can't do this anymore. It feels like another thing has gone wrong. What am I supposed to do? Another, uh, uh, another city that is up in flames right now in our country, what, what am I supposed to do? Another young man shot in the back, what am I supposed to do? Three guys murdered across the street all up under the age of 33, what am I supposed to do? It feels like I'm waiting too long, Jesus. And I don't think that these are strange feelings. I think these are exactly the feelings that the followers of Jesus had when they saw him on the cross. And they said, it's over. Feels like I'm waiting too long, God. I thought you were here. I thought you were going to come. I thought you had saved my life. I thought you were here to rule and reign and dominate in victory, Messiah, King Jesus. But you died. So that waiting is hard. But what, and the same thing as what did sin earn us, separation from God and a whole host of nasty things, what did the cross earn us? The cross earned us an opportunity to have abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven with Jesus. The cross earned us forgiveness of our sins that we might live full lives, looking forward expectantly to unbroken fellowship and communion with God one day. The cross earned us the opportunity to celebrate the kingdom of God, the goodness of God, to go into communities and neighborhoods and schools and workplaces that are desperate and dying for the message of Jesus, to say, let me tell you what the cross earned my life. Let me tell you how I was following the way of the devil, but I saw the cross, I saw the king hung on the cross, and I said, yes, Lord, and it earned me a new life, and it earned me a transformed life, and it transferred us or traded us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So if you have been traded from darkness into light, you have to go out and be the light. You have to go out and say, yes, sin has earned us terrible things, but the cross has earned us more. The cross has earned us better things, that in the cross, in his blood. Jesus in his flesh tore down all hostility. He made one new race. And we may think that the cross doesn't matter because the way the world looks, but it matters because Jesus died to bless us. And God blesses his people for the good of the nations. Jesus died to offer us the ultimate blessing, the blessing of forgiveness of sins, the blessing of unbroken fellowship and communion with our Father in heaven, the blessing of eternal life, the blessing of an abundant life here on earth. And what Jesus died to bless us with is to send us out on mission. If God blesses his people for the good of the nations and Jesus died to bless you, then we as a church are called to go on mission. We are a spiritual family on mission. If you have put your life, faith, hope, and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your Lord and Savior, then you're part of the family. And we are a spiritual family on mission. You can't just hang out at the family cookout every day. We got to go do mission. We got to go clean up our communities. We got to start in your own life, in your own heart, with your own worship and your own relationships, 
your own marriage, your own family. But then after that, you have to realize that God has blessed you for the good of the nations. The good news is that we can live in this reality today. We can celebrate in this reality today, right now, because the Holy Spirit of the living God equips us to do so. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit, we receive Jesus Christ. We receive forgiveness from our sin. We receive the kingdom of God in our minds, in our hearts. We receive God's rule and reign in our lives right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is cause to celebrate. That even though the world seems like it's spinning out of control, even though God's perfect creation was broken by sin and buildings are blowing up in Lebanon and hurricanes are disrupting families, killing people in Louisiana and people are being shot all over the country. The cross purchased us fellowship. The cross purchased us the only blessing that we could ever need. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ enough for you? These are great days to find out. 2020 has been a great year to find out if the gospel is enough for you. When everything else gets taken away, when everything else is peeled away, is the good news of Jesus enough for you? And if it isn't, you are deeply uncomfortable right now. And if it is, you are deeply uncomfortable with the way things look right now. But ultimately, you know in your heart, there is coming a day. There is coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And we say, Maranatha. We say, come, Lord Jesus. We say, right now, we want you to come, Lord Jesus. Because we want your kingdom to come here. We want to see it lived out, consummated, and fulfilled right here. So throughout these past two series, throughout these last seven weeks, we've been talking about how we are called to live as spiritual family on mission, how we are called to live in biblical community, how we are called to live as people that are built for more. And if hearing the scriptures week in, week out, don't convince you that you're built for more, I don't have any words that are going to convince you that you're built for more. So as we conclude this series today, I want us to be reminded God has always used a community of people to extend his kingdom. Why not this community? Why not our family? Why not Woodside Bible Church in Pontiac? Why not my life group? Why not your life group? Why not Next Generation Ministry? Why not anything that we have going on here? Why wouldn't God use this community to bless the nations and extend his kingdom in the world to bring blessing to the nations? We have to understand that God blesses his people for the good of the nations. So if God has blessed you, it's for somebody else. If God has blessed you, it's not only just because he loves you. It's because you're called to be a blessing to the rest of the nations, that the entire world is called to know Jesus. And it's coming one day so why not expedite it why not why not work hard towards that why not bring it a little bit sooner i know everybody in here is impatient right come on we're all impatient it's okay you, you can you can understand that but why not be impatient with the kingdom of god coming why are we impatient for all the material things in our life but when it comes to god we're like oh wait it's god's time we'll just wait on god's timing i'm just sitting back doing nothing and he's like no no i blessed you for the good of the nations I gave you a blessing for a reason. That blessing had a purpose tied to it. So we don't just receive God's blessing for ourselves, but for the sake of the whole world. So therefore, as a church family, we have to evaluate our worship. We have to understand where is our worship. We have to pray for God's blessings to come to the nations. We have to ask God to do something that only he can do, and then we'll praise him for it. Because that's what worship is, praising God for who he is. And ultimately, the, the output of this series should be life groups. The output of this series should be, I can't do it alone anymore. 
I have to get in community. I have to find brothers and sisters that are going to advocate for my walk with Jesus. I have to find a spiritual community that is going to love me into a better Christian. I have to do this together because I can't do it on my own anymore. So on this Family Worship Sunday, we're going to sing a song together called The Blessing. And the blessing is a song that that is put to words, the ironic blessing from number six, the blessing that is uh, recited here in Psalm 67, and ultimately it's just a manifestation of the blessing that God gave Abraham in Genesis 12. So we're going to sing this song together. We're going to sing this song over our lives, through your lives, sing this song into your community, sing this song over your children, sing this song over the spiritual family on mission that God has called you into. But before that, I want to bring up somebody else who's going to close us in a word of prayer prayer. Is he here? There he is. All right. AJ Horton. He wasn't sitting next to his mom. I was like, he got lost. Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Put your hands together for AJ Horton. Yeah, come on. Come on, brother. Yeah. Watch that last step. I almost trip over it every Sunday. I should have told AJ not to dress better than me when we were going to be on the stage together, but, but he did. He killed it. So AJ, today's a special day because it's our, it's our family worship Sunday, right? And you get to close us in prayer and everybody's going to pray for you. Uh, but is it a special day for another reason? Yes, it's a special day for my birthday. It's his birthday today. That's right. <laughs> Days we usually ask for presents, right? So uh, I want to invite you to ask God for what kind of birthday present you would love to see happen in your church. Okay? Can you pray to God? Let's pray. Go ahead. You got it. Lord, thank you for this day today. Lord, you gave me the best present ever. Going in church, seeing my family. You gave me the best present, most of all. Give me a family, a pastor, a school, a teacher. You're giving us all presents, and that's more important because you are important to Lord. Lord, I just want to bless all the people who died. I just want to bless their heart. You'll watch over them. In your son, Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 I want to invite you to stretch out your hands towards AJ. We're going to pray for his life. Father in heaven, I thank you. I thank you that you have given this, this brother nine years on this earth today. I thank you for all the ways that you have put your good hand upon him, all the ways you will continue to bless him and his family. I thank you for the ways that he is a blessing to his family. And Lord, we pray that you would make him the leader that you have called him to be, that that can only happen by making him the follower of you that he needs to be. So God, I pray that he would lead those around him in words of prayer, in words of scripture and encouragement and comfort. I pray that he would be blessed so that he might be a blessing. Thank you for allowing him to bless us by the way that you blessed him. We love you. We thank you that you have blessed your people for the good of the nations. We bless you for AJ. We love you, Lord Jesus. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Great job, buddy. Great job. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org slash connect to introduce yourself to us today.